All right, so here we go. Class number two, The Splendor of Shabbos. And uh, we'll build a little bit on what we spoke about last week. Um, it's somewhat, though, if it's an independent topic, although I do hope to return to some of last week's uh, ideas in future classes also. I also hope that as we kind of taking all the different ideas about Shabbos, we start to make connections and create kind of this... Uh, this tapestry or this web where we realize that all these different ideas are actually interrelated. So, uh, so one of the, uh, one of the known practices of Shabbos is to eat three Shabbos meals. And, and uh, at those meals, at least certainly at the first two, we have challah. We don't just have one challah. We have two challahs, Latha Mishnah. Um, and we have a nice challah uh, uh, cover to cover our challahs. And that's in halacha, that's in Jewish law, to have a cover over the challah. And the early commentators, the, the tour of Yaakov Balaturim, he quotes two reasons for why we cover the challah. And uh, the first reason is very interesting. He quotes from the Yerushalmi, from the Jerusalem Talmud. And the Talmud there says, we don't want the bread to be embarrassed. That's why we cover the challah. What does that mean that we don't want the bread to be embarrassed? So it's kind of a technical idea. There is an order to how we're supposed to recite our blessings on food. And generally speaking, the blessing on bread precedes any other blessing. It would precede, um, you know, it would exempt many blessings, but it also precede, let's say, the blessing on wine of that's usually if I'm just eating a, a weekday meal. So I would first, the order of precedence is I would first make my blessing on the bread, hamotzi, hamotzi lechamina aretz. And, uh, and after that, I would make, if I'm having wine at the meal, I'd make the blessing on the wine. However, on Shabbos, we start the meal with Kiddush. And Kiddush is best said over wine. And so the blessing on wine gets to go first. So that makes the bread a little embarrassed, you know, that it's being, uh, it's, it's, it's being, uh, its position is being taken over. And so therefore we cover it so that it doesn't see, and it's not embarrassed. That's, that's the idea that's brought down. Rabbi Pesach Kron likes to mention that, uh, that should, it's, you know, it's a nice idea, but it should be a lesson for us, right? Sometimes at a Shabbos table, people get a little bit, uh, puffy, puffy about little things and, why didn't you set this up in time? Why are you, you know, why are you acting this way? And, and they end up embarrassing people at the Shabbos table. He says, right in front of us is this lesson that not to embarrass the bread. We certainly have to be careful not to embarrass each other when uh, at all times, but especially at the Shabbos table. That's the first reason mentioned. The second reason given by the tour, by Rabbi Yaakov, Balaturim is that the challah cover is actually to remember the manna, the manna that we had in the desert. So when we traveled in the desert for 40 years, what did we eat? So God provided us with manna from heaven. And when that man fell, so they would gather it in the morning and it was surrounded by a layer of dew underneath and over the man. And, and he explains that that's actually also why we have a challah board underneath. So we have the challah on top of something, and then we have something on top of the challah. The challah represents the man, 
And uh, the layers above and beneath represent the um, dew that surrounded the man in the desert. And so it's, it's, it's a commemoration, it's to remind us of the miracle of the man in the desert. There's numerous practical differences between these two reasons, right? Is the reason because we don't want to embarrass the, the, the bread or is the reason because we are trying to remember the man? For example, um, when do you take off the cover? Do you take off the cover as soon as you're finished Kiddush? Right? If the reason is just to, because you don't want to embarrass it when you make the blessing on the Kiddush, so then when you're finished with Kiddush, you can take the cover off. But if the reason is to remember the man, so then it might make sense to keep the cover on all the way until you're ready to eat the bread, um, you know, until you make the blessing, hamotzi, and then and, and you're ready to eat it. Um, another practical difference is do you need something underneath? If it's just about the embarrassment, so you need a cover, but you don't need anything underneath. If the reason has to do with having this, these two layers surrounding it to remember the dew that surrounded the man, so then it makes sense to have a layer on top and underneath. There's numerous other practical differences, but that's the idea. The idea of having the layer on top and underneath is to remember the man. Not only that, but the whole idea of having two lobes in the first place is to remember the two lobes that we had really on Friday in the desert that we received on Friday, the double portion we received in the desert. So this is a uh, I put this on the source. The Talmud says this. The Gemara says this in Shabbos. The Gemara says, um, again, if you if you are on the email list, you have a, you should have received the source sheet. If not, then get in touch with me to get on the email list. Um, so the Gemara says that Rabbi Abba said on Shabbos, the person has to break bread with two loaves each meal, as it says, lechem mishneh, a double portion. What is this double portion? So. When the man would fall on uh, on Friday, when they were in the desert, they got a double portion of man, one for Friday and one for Shabbos. They would not have to go out and collect any man on Shabbos. Rather, they got it on Friday, the double portion, and using two loaves at each meal um, reminds us of the double portion that they received in the desert. So there seems to be a important connection between the man and Shabbos. In terms of, you know, it's it's wonderful that they got a double portion, but really in the end of the day, they ended up with the same thing, right? They they instead of getting it on Shabbos, they got it on Friday and they saved it till Shabbos. So is that really so significant, you know, worth commemorating? Really, they ended up with the same thing as every other day of the week. So why is it that on Shabbos specifically? We want to do things that remind us of the gift of the man in the desert. What is the connection between the man or the, you know, the more, the deeper connection between the man and Shabbos? So the first idea I want to share with you um, requires a little bit of uh, careful reading of the verses regarding the man and regarding Shabbos which appear in Parshas Beshalach, Shemos chapter 16. And uh, that's also on the source sheet. So the people complain that they don't have a source of food and God promises them that they'll have, they'll have food, they'll have uh, you know, meat that comes, birds that come from meat, and also that uh, the man will fall for them. 
And if you look on the source sheet, chapter 16, verse 4, it says, so, so the Hashem said to Moshe, Behold, I am going to rain down for you bread from heaven. The people shall go out and gather what is needed for the day, so that I can test them whether or not they follow my teaching. So there were specific uh, rules for how they were to collect the man. They could only collect for that day, each weekday, um, and uh, they couldn't leave any over. And it was kind of a self-fulfilling uh, test in so that it wouldn't work if they would try. If they would try to gather more, they, and this is not Midrash, this is explicit in the, in the verses, they would try to gather more, they just end up with their portion. And if they, uh, if they tried to leave over, it would spoil. So they, they, uh, they were, it was very specific, gather what you need for that day, consume it, and tomorrow you start all over. That's on a weekday. However, the verse continues and it says, and it shall be on the sixth day that when they prepare what they will bring, it will be double of what they gather every day. That on Fridays, they would receive a double portion because on Shabbos, they would not have to uh, go out and, uh, and get the money. Okay, so that's verses four and five. Now, if we fast forward to verse 21, which is very easy on the source sheet because it's the next verse listed. Um, so the verse there says, this now talks about what actually happened. It says they gathered it morning by morning. So each day they went out, got their man, got their portion, each one according to his eating capacity. And when the sun grew hot, it melted. So there was nothing left on the ground by you know midday or so. And uh, fine. And it came to pass on the sixth day that they gathered a double portion of bread, two omers for each one. So they went out and gathered and they were able to gather more. Up till, you know, every other day, they could only gather what they needed that day. All of a sudden on Friday, they come home and they're like, whoa, I have, I have more than I had every other day. What's going on? So all the princes of the community came and reported it to Moshe. So he said to them, this is what the Lord spoke. Tomorrow is a rest day, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake whatever you wish to bake and cook whatever you wish to cook. And all the rest leave over to keep until morning. So, uh, so Moshe told them, oh, you know why you got a double portion today? It's because today is Friday, tomorrow is Shabbos, and you have to prepare today for tomorrow. You have to prepare for Shabbos. There's not going to be anything that falls tomorrow, or at least not that you could collect. Uh, nothing falls, actually, and, uh, and you're allowed to leave it over. And they did, verse 24, they left it over until morning. As Moshe had commanded, it did not become putrid, and not a worm was in it. And Moshe said, you get today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Okay. So I have a question. God tells Moshe that uh, um, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to rain down for you bread from heaven. And on Friday, it's going to be a double portion because they're going to save for Shabbos. Fast forward, what happens? That's what happens, right? And the people come and say, Moshe, what's going on? We got a double portion today. What's going on? So he says, oh, that's what God said. It's Shabbos, right? Now, why did Moshe not tell them about this? It seems, and Rashi points this out, that he had not told them what God had, had spoken to him, right? Now, generally, the job of a prophet is to give over the prophecy from God. And actually, it's a grave sin for a, uh, for a prophet to suppress his prophecy and not share it. So, so why did Moshe not pass on the word of God as at when he received it? 
So this is the question that the Or HaChaim raises. And the Or HaChaim says that Moshe realized that he was not supposed to inform the people of this. Actually, if you a close reading of the verses, it says that God spoke to Moshe and he told him what he's going to do. Nowhere does it say that God told him to tell the Jewish people. Usually we have that uh, God said to Moshe, lay more, to say, to tell it over. Or it says, Yisrael, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, nothing doesn't say that over here. He didn't want Moshe. He was telling Moshe what was going to happen, but he didn't want Moshe to tell the people yet. Why not? He wants it to be a surprise, right? So like a surprise birthday party. Well, why, why not? So the Arachayim says that had Moshe told them in advance, so then, then they would be receiving the idea of Shabbos from Moshe. But if they encountered the man themselves, the double portion, so in a certain sense, they're receiving the commandment of Shabbos directly from God. Because Moshe didn't tell them it, they, they experienced it. They went out, and all of a sudden they saw that, uh, that there was a double portion. They didn't understand exactly what it meant, but they, but that it created this this uh, this tangible experience of I'm encountering something different. I need it to be explained to me, but that would be unforgettable to them. And uh, and the way he says it is um, that they would see with their you know physical properties that uh, that this was Hashem commanding, this was God commanding them not to work on Shabbos. And was preparing for them this double portion on Friday, and uh, and this way they would have a greater and deeper connection, understanding that this is God's will, that they that they they not have to work on on, on the Sabbath on Shabbos, and uh, and they saw that with their own eyes that God would will prepare for them the double portion. God will make up whatever it is that you think you're missing out. You're not missing out. Look. And they even knew in advance, right? They saw in advance. They got the double portion in advance that uh, that that going into Shabbos already, they knew that they would be taken care of as a result of taking off the day of Shabbos. And uh, and this is was to to bring out how how uh, special and significant the day of Shabbos is. This mitzvah, this commandment, Hashem wanted to to give it to them directly himself. Um, and so they experienced it in that way. That's the Orachayim. So we begin to, to see this deeper connection already. I asked, why are, we, why are we doing things on Shabbos to remember the man surrounding the challah, um, using two portions of challah? So the, I think the, the entry point is, first of all, the, the way that we found out about Shabbos, or at least certain aspects of Shabbos, was from the experience of the month. That's how God introduced Shabbos to us. And so there's this very special connection between the month and between Shabbos. Now, we have to go a little further, though. Why? You know, why is there this, you know, why, why through the month? What is this, the, the message of the month that... Uh, that is so important to Shabbos. We began to, we already began to, to explain it, right? They saw with their, 
through the man that God was providing for them on the sixth day, providing that double portion that they would have for a Shabbos. But we can still, you know, go a little, a little deeper and try to um, define it a little bit more. In truth, we go back all the way to the creation of the world and the sages teach us that already there, the man was connected to Shabbos in Horatius, Genesis chapter two. So we say, and God blessed the seventh day by and he sanctified it. And Rashi comments in Horatius, in Genesis chapter two, Rashi says, what does it mean that he blessed it? Says Rashi, he blessed it through the manna. There are all other days of the week there should fall for them an omer for each person, whereas on the sixth day there should fall twice as much of that bread. So he blessed Shabbos by making the double portion fall for it on Friday. And he sanctified it through the manna that should not fall on the Shabbos. And this verse is written here with reference to what would happen in the future. That's what Rashi says. The verse in Bereshit is already at the creation of the world. God blesses and sanctifies the Shabbos. The sanctification of the Shabbos is that the man will not fall on, on Shabbos. And, uh, and the blessing of the Shabbos is, but it will, it will get receive its double portion. It will receive its portion already from Friday. That's a Rashi comments. Um, the, the Maharal commenting on this Rashi in his, in his commentary to Rashi, he says that, uh, that um, you know, it wasn't necessary for Rashi to say that, uh, that it's speaking about the future because it's really not just about the man. The man is an example of the blessing and the sanctification of Shabbos. That's where we maybe, like we said, encountered it for the first time. That's where we see an example of it. But, uh, but the Midrash that Rashi's quoting doesn't actually mention that the, that the verse is speaking about the future. That was Rashi's edition. The Maharal says the Midrash is just saying that the blessing was with the man, the double portion, and the sanctification was with the man didn't fall. But really, those are examples of, uh, of the sanctification of Shabbos, that there's no, there's no work on Shabbos. Um, the man doesn't fall. And there's extra blessing as a result of Shabbos. We get double blessing on Friday. Um, but be that as it may, we see at least this, uh, the, the, the idea of the man already being introduced in the, at the time of creation. The blessing of Shabbos, the double portion of Friday, the sanctification of Shabbos, that the man doesn't fall, and that we, we desist from working on Shabbos. And uh, and we really have to wonder, like we mentioned before, what is really the blessing of this? Because ultimately, they were getting the same portion in the end. They ended up with, you know, seven days worth of, of mana. So, why you know, Shabbos is the same as any other day. Yes, it didn't fall on Shabbos, but, but it seems like there's no extra blessing being added for the day of Shabbos. So what's that about? So this question is actually raised by the Zohar. So come with me and learn some Zohar. And, uh, and the Zohar says as follows. It says, 
It's the top of the second page of the source sheet. Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Isaac said, it's written, and God blessed the seventh day. And yet we read, regarding the man, that six days you should gather it, but on the seventh day, there will not be any. So says the says the Zohar, ask the question a little bit differently, but it comes down to a similar idea. What's the blessing? If there's no food on Shabbos, then why is Shabbos blessed? That doesn't seem like blessing. You tell me that double portioning falls on Shabbos, so now, now Shabbos is blessed. But it actually seems like Shabbos is worse off. Shabbos has no blessing. Shabbos has no food, no man falling on it. In what way is Shabbos blessed? This is the question that the Zohar asks. Says the Zohar, we have been taught that all blessings from above and from below depend on the seventh day. So why was there no man on the seventh day? Because that day is where is, is the day from which all other days derive their blessing. And each one, um, each day of the week, every other day of the week that provides nourishment, is get, it, it's sourced in Shabbos. The source of the blessing is Shabbos. And this idea is actually something that we say as part of the Lichadodi prayer on Friday night. We say, so on the next source, we cross Shabbos, let us go and greet the Shabbos, because it is the Mekor, the, um, the source, the, uh, yeah, the, the source of blessing. And so says the Zohar, it's true that nothing fell on Shabbos, but the reason why nothing fell is because Shabbos is actually the source of the blessing for every other day of the week. Rav Shimshim Pincus tries to give an analogy to make this uh, a little more understood, um, to put it into kind of practical terms. He says, imagine you go to a market and uh, like a, a makolet in Israel, and this is what he was talking about. You go to a small, uh, a small market and uh, it's closed. So, so you, you know, you bang on the door and you're, you say, why you know it's the middle of the day? Why are you closed? It's uh, it's are you out of food? So the the store owner comes to the door, and he says, "No, no, no, we're not out of food. Actually, what happened is we are currently receiving a big delivery, and uh, the way that he says it is, he says we're receiving all our Passover uh, goods, and uh, and we're unloading the truck and we're filling the sh- we're stocking the shelves." So, uh, so that's why we're closed. So, so he says, you know, just similarly to, you know, just because there's, there's, there's no blessing coming right now, just because there's no food, no new food available right now, doesn't mean that, uh, that, that the tank is empty. It doesn't mean that there's, there's no blessing. Sometimes it could be exactly the opposite. Sometimes it means that uh, we're busy filling the shelves, and that's why we're not receiving blessing right now. So, uh, so Shabbos, there's no is is a day to, that that we don't we don't fill the shelves on Shabbos, but by not filling, sorry, or I should say, we don't uh, we don't get receive new uh, new blessing on Shabbos. The store is closed, 
but uh, but that's because we're really filling, we're really stocking the shelves for the rest of the week on Shabbos. So that's the that's the analogy that he gives. That's the Zohar that says that uh, that really there is blessing on Shabbos. The, the idea that no man fell on Shabbos is because the Shabbos is the day is the source of blessing for the rest of the week. But I think that uh, this uh, also still needs a little bit further uh, explanation. What does that mean? Why, you know, why is, why is it that we have to be closed in order to provide blessing for the rest of the week? Okay. So, uh, so the, for the remainder of the class, I'll share with you the thoughts of Rabbi Chaim Friedlander, um, who was a Mashkiach spiritual leader in the Panovich Yeshiva in B'nai Brak. Um, and he says as follows. So he, he mentions many of the sources we mentioned, um, and he poses this question, why, going back to our earlier question, why, what is this connection between Shabbos and between the month? You know, is it, uh, is it kind of happenstance or or just practical, a practical matter that uh, if we didn't, uh, you know, Hashem commanded us about Shabbos in conjunction with the man, because otherwise uh, we wouldn't have known how to deal with the man. We would have gone out uh, and start tried to collect man on, on Shabbos if we didn't, uh, if we if we didn't receive the command first. So right then, when we get the man, when, that's when we get the command of Shabbos. Maybe it's just a practical thing. That's the first time it was really, uh, really could be. Um, put into practice. He says, no, it doesn't seem that way because like we mentioned already at the creation of the world, we have a mention of, of the man with connecting to Shabbos. Like that Rashi, that idea that when God blessed the world, he blessed it by, with the man. Sorry, when he blessed Shabbos, he blessed it with the man. And when he sanctified Shabbos, he sanctified it that there would be no man. So it seems that the connection between the man and between Shabbos has to be something deeper. So we come back to a verse that we talked about last week, and uh, we'll give a slightly different reading of it, although not that different. So, and that verse is in the Ten Commandments. It's the second to last source on the sheet. That you should work for six days and do all of your work. It sounds like um that you should you know you should work for six days is is a part and parcel of, of having a Shabbos work for six days and do all your work and then uh and and that's in the command of Shabbos is to work for six days and do all your work. So uh do you need uh do you need to work for six days in order to have to have a Shabbos? So so he says and furthermore, right? What's this idea of you should do all of your work? Can you do? Uh, can you really get all of your work done? Um, you might not be done when Shabbos comes. You might still be in the middle of your work. So how can you do all of your work? So that's where we have the Rashi we talked about last week. That when Shabbos comes, it should be as if you did all your work is done. That you shouldn't even think about your work anymore. That's Shabbos. Shabbos is. 
do all your during the six days you do all of your work because uh come Shabbos it has to be as if uh, as if all your work is done so uh so it's not enough that uh we stop working but it's there's a mindset that we have to develop that's what Rashi's telling us you should not think about your work even okay this may not be um practically required in halacha that uh we say here hurim utarim you're allowed to, to think about things not certain certain if it's connected to an action then it's more problematic um but uh you know like a person shouldn't be uh checking their garden for what needs to be done because that's connected to uh to an action of walking to go and see it but if you're if you're just thinking about it, it's technically permitted, but it's not in the spirit of Shabbos. And that's what this Rashi is telling us, is that one shouldn't even think about the work. It should be like it's all, it's all finished. So, uh, so how do we, uh, you know, how do we reach this point? How do we reach that, that, that mindset where we're not even thinking about the projects that we're in the middle of, the the deadlines that we have, um, we could be right, right in the middle of something, right in the middle of an important uh, business call, right in the in the middle of uh, an important project that we're working on, and all of a sudden we're supposed to we're supposed to just disconnect from it, create a, a, a mindset as if it's it's all done. This is what the sages are telling us. But how do we how do we accomplish that? And the truth is that this is central to the menucha, the rest of Shabbos. We say it says that God rested by Yanach Bayomashvi. God rested on Shabbos on the seventh day. The Sforno comments that that. Why did God rest on the seventh day? Because everything had reached its its conclusion. Everything was, was complete. And when you reach that sense of completion, so then you can have manucha, then you can have rest. So a person to really achieve the rest that they need, that they're supposed to on Shabbos, that sense of manucha, they really need to develop this sense that everything is finished, everything is complete. So last week we shared the idea that it's kind of recognizing that God's, if God is, just as God looked at his world on the, at the end of the sixth day and it was tov ma'od, it was very good, everything's perfect. So we have to also have that kind of, of, of trust in God that whatever happens is, is perfect. The world is perfect as God wants it to be. And a person can develop a, uh, a sense of menucha in that way. The world is exactly how it's supposed to be. So we're going to add to that a little bit with an, uh, another slightly different angle, but certainly related and ties in. The, God creates the world. And really, the Kabbalists teach us that at every moment, God is recreating the world. God is sustaining the world. Everything in the world is, uh, is, exists on God's whim. And what's our job in sort of sustaining the world, you know, pushing the world along? So obviously there's our uh, our 
spiritual obligations, connecting to God at the heart of it. We'll certainly be discussing that more throughout the series, but but in, on the physical plane, so our job is to do ishtadlis, to putting effort, right? So this is this brings us back to our series for those who are with us on bitachon, shara bitachon, the gate of uh, of trusting God, um, where where we learned about uh, about the requirement for hishtadlis. The first thing has to putting effort. God put this into creation, maybe as a result of Adam's sin, but that's the there, there's effort that God wants from us on our part in order to provide for ourselves. Why we need to put in effort, that was, we discussed then. But bottom line, we need to do our part. We need to do hishtadlis. Let's take a look at the Mesilas Yashar and what he has to say about hishtadlis. Moshe Chaim Lutzatlis. This is the last source. Says the Mesilas Yasharim. Um... He was talking about certain detriments to, to one's trust in God. And he says that which can protect a person and save him from these detriments. Sorry, from other detriments that he was talking about. One can save him from certain things, he says, is trust in God. Bitachon. Namely, that a person cast his burden entirely upon God, knowing that it is certainly impossible for a man to lack what was designated for him. As our sages taught, all a person's sustenance for the year is fixed for him from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Likewise, they said, no man can touch what was prepared for his fellow, even to the extent of a hair's breath. So, Bitachon, trusting God, says that God determined on Rosh Hashanah how much I will receive that year. I can't take away from somebody else. And uh, and technically speaking, he says, I wouldn't have to do anything to... Uh, to, to receive what I'm supposed to receive. A person, he goes on, could have sat idle, and the decree would have been fulfilled had it not been preceded by the fine imposed on every human being by the sweat of your brow shall you eat bread. If not for the curse, the what he calls a kanas, a fine, that God gave to Adam um, in the Garden of Eden, in Gan Eden, which was by the sweat of your brow you'll eat bread. If not for that, I wouldn't have to do anything. But... Now there's a condition. So yes, I'm, God determines what a person is going to receive for that year. That's determined on Rosh Hashanah on condition that they put in their hishtadlis. They put in the right amount of effort. Whereby a person is required to make some effort for obtaining his livelihood, for thus the exalted king decreed. But he says it's like a tax imposed on the human race, which cannot, one cannot escape from paying. It's a kanas, it's a tax. We have to do hishtadlis. We have to put in effort. Therefore, our sages said, I might think one can say idle, but scripture says, in all that you set your hand to do, fine. Only, that is not the efforts that help. Rather, the efforts are necessary. But once one has put in some effort, he has already discharged his obligation, and there is place for the blessing of heaven to rest upon him, and he did not consume his days in exertion and labor. So what we talk, discussed extensively when we learned Charabi Tachong is that the results are not in our hands. The, the, the more effort that we put in, the more Hishtadlis is not necessarily going to bring about more wealth. The wealth is determined on Rosh Hashanah. A person is supposed to put in 
effort. You know, a person is supposed to to work, but but not uh, not to overdo it. And uh, and we we can't change that which is decreed for us. There's a condition we have to put in that status. We have to put in that effort in order to to attain it to receive it. But putting in more effort is not going to is not going to make a difference. So uh, so explains Reb Chaim Friedlander. Um, on Shabbos, we need to recognize that Shem created the world, right? We remind ourselves that Shem created the world. God created the world. And he continues to create, continues to sustain it at every moment. When we say that we, it should be on Shabbos as if all our work is done, right? It says you should do all your work. And Rashi says, based on the, the, our sages, you should, it should be as if all your work is done. So Rav Dessler says, when we say as if all your work is done, it, it means you should really be as if, like they mean it. It really should be as if all your work is done. And how do we get there? How do we get to that point? So the idea is, what is, what is my work? What's my, what, what, is, what, am I supposed, what is my work? My work is my hishtadlis. It's the effort that I'm supposed to put in. And not more than that. And so you person might say, I'm in the middle of something, right? I'm in the middle of a project. I'm in the middle of a I'm in the middle of a, of a business deal. So we have to realize no, that's that's God's business. What you know, what what the results, whether you know what whether it comes to fruition or doesn't come to fruition, that's not my business. I did what I'm supposed to do. I did my malacha, I worked. Come Shabbos, it's time for me to stop. So I stop. We 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 a person might think, but if I would have, if I would have worked a little bit longer, I might have gotten more. No, if, if we're not supposed to work, then then we then nothing would have happened more. We did our we did what we were supposed to do. We did our ishtablis. So so we did we did the work that we were supposed to do. There, nothing else could have been done. And by working more, it's not going to it's not going to bring us greater wealth. So. So the uh, the idea of all my work is done is really tied directly into the idea that we are only to do our ishtadlis and we don't have to, we just do our, putting our effort and we don't have to do more. And, uh, and if we internalize that, if we realize that, so then we can develop this, this, this perspective, this outlook. Come Shabbos, I worked for, for the week. I did my ishtadlis. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Doing anything more won't make a difference because I put in my effort. The results are always up to God. That's the idea of as if all my work is done. We should be able to, to develop that, that perspective. Um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's achieving a level in bitachon, in trusting God that we rely on God for the results. All that we can do is put in the effort. And that's where we can find that menucha, that rest on Shabbos through, uh, through, um, through developing this idea. We have tremendous menucha. I mean, that when we spoke about bitachon, we spoke about menucha sanefesh. That's exactly what bitachon is all about. It's about a sense of, uh, of serenity, of it's not in my hands. I'm supposed to just do my effort. The rest is, is in God's hands. And and that's the the um, level of 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 
menucha of, of serenity, of rest that we can achieve on Shabbos if we can develop that perspective. And this perspective, the lesson was taught to us with the man. When they came to the man, like we mentioned earlier, you, you couldn't, uh, you could try, you could try from today to tomorrow to, to, to work, you know, to save, to scrimp and save and go collect extra. None of it would work, right? That, and and it was it was self-fulfilling. The way Rabbi Foreman talks about it, Rabbi David Foreman is like, they were, it, it was the training grounds for Bitafon because, because, you know, if you misstepped, well, we got reminded right away. There's no, there's no masks. There's no confusion, right? You try to save, you try to put an extra effort than you're supposed to, doesn't help you, right? Because the man would just uh, go bad or, or they end up, you know, they, if they tried to bring home extra, they end up with the same. So it was the man that taught us this lesson of, 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 uh, of bitachon, that, uh, that we, you know, we can put in the effort. We have a job to do. We have to do it. And, uh, but, but the results are in the hands of Hashem, are in the hands of God. And it doesn't help to try to do more. And, uh, and I guess if we, if we add to that, what we said about the, the uh, Arachayim, right? We were introduced to Shabbos with the lesson, Hashem says on Friday, here's your double portion. Don't worry. Like we knew in advance that we were covered by, 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 by taking off Shabbos. Not, we're not going to lose out as a result of taking off Shabbos. Because we already saw the results. We already saw the double portion on Friday. And so to conclude, the, the, the blessing, the blessing of, uh, of, of the double portion, the blessing of the week, that which Shabbos is the Makar HaBracha, it's the source of blessing for the week, comes from the, the bitachon, the trust that we have on Shabbos. When we trust in God, so that provides blessing for us. Like we say in, uh, it says in Tehillim, in uh, Psalms chapter 23, right? The song unto David, God is my shepherd, I won't be lacking. When we know that God is my shepherd, then I won't be la- lacking, right? And he'll lay me down in, uh, in grassy fields and, and on waters, comfort, uh, waters of comfort. So, so, the idea is that as the, the blessing of the week comes from bitachon. When a person has bitachon, they have trust in God. They have trust that everything comes from God. So that is that that is a merit, and that provides blessing as a result. So when we say so, going back when we say that Shabbos is the mekor habracha, it's the source of blessing, and it comes from the you know, as a result of being closed, of not receiving anything on Shabbos, of not working on Shabbos, that's where we get the blessing of the rest of the week. That's because that's our expression of our trust in God. That's our expression that all that we get comes from God. The The work that I do is just because I have to. That's part of the, the decree in the world is that we need to, to work. That's the, the what the Ramchal or Moshe Chaim Utzatu called the Kanas. It's a fine Person has to put in his dots. We have to put in effort to achieve results. But the results themselves, that's in the hands of God. And when we stop on Shabbos, we stop what we're doing and we say, I did my status, I did my effort. Whatever, you know, whatever happens is is really only, it's not up to me. It's all in the hands of Hashem. It's all in the hands of God. That brings blessing to us for the rest of the week. 
That's how Shabbos can be the Mekar HaBracha, the source of blessing. This was the lesson that we learned from the man, and therefore we have a special special place for the man on Shabbos. Okay, I hope that these ideas will enhance our Shabbos once again. Wow, Rabbi, thank you. Yashka.